is the Ajar Wisdom Podcast. Be it you, your family, your organization, or the world, leadership is critical to your success. Yet, this is an area hugely misunderstood, misinterpreted, and abused by many organizations and leaders. Today, our discussion is about the buzzword leadership. For today's discussion, I have invited, I call him a humble leader to share his wisdom with us. He's a leadership trainer, TEDx speaker, and a clever author. Please welcome the speaker for the day is Vidusha Nathavitan. Welcome to the show, Vidusha. Thank you. Great to be here and thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to invite you. Uh, you you were in my list uh, for a longer time, but I thought this is the right time for me to uh, you know send out that invitation. If someone watching us wants to know who Vidusha Nathavitanri is, how could you describe yourself? Uh, the bulk of the work I do um, is about helping people to find out who they really are and fulfill their potential. I think that's that's the closest I can get in 10 words. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's about, I, I hate the word trainer. Um, I, I try to use the word uh, a facilitator of learning because I think learning is, is far more important and training is a very, very small component of that. So I think for, for today's discussion, that would suffice. I'll get into it later on once you ask your questions. Excellent, excellent. Love your concise answer. As you just rightly mentioned, uh, one thing that I learned throughout my facilitation or training, uh, so-called training career, is that letting people understand what they need to understand is, is an art and a science, right? So it has definitely science involved, but you know, it's you know how how well you you let them experience what they need to learn, that's where the, the learning happens. It's a discovery than just teaching. With Usha, I want to start the discussion by looking at the definition of leadership because what I realize is this. Although this has been a buzzword, this is kind of the word that every organization has to utter at one point of time, many days, many, many you know uh, times uh, in a given day. Uh, one thing that I feel is that we tend to misunderstand and misinterpret the term leadership. To get a start to this talk, can you define leadership? What is leadership for you? Okay, um, that's a fantastic place to start, Niroshan, because I think <clears throat> I think you're right. The issue is that we do tend to look at leadership and leaders thereof. In, in, in very different ways. And interpretations and definitions are important because that, that gives you a framework to work within, isn't it? So if you get your definition wrong, I think um, everything else that happens afterwards is wrong. Um, so even in academia, defining something is the starting point any research paper that you do, isn't it? And that's always the start. So, okay. The issue is that there are very, very, very many leadership. Um, <laughs> and um, picking one is very, very difficult, and I try not to also. However, given that you told me to define it, 
let me try and interpret it the way I see it, right? Rather than from a textbook definition perspective. So the 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 leadership definition that I found most interesting and and probably the most practical for the kind of work we do from an organizational perspective is that leadership is a process. Okay. So if you ask what leadership is, most people turn around and say it's a person who drives an organization or a group of people towards a common objective. Now, the moment you say it's a person, you start fixating on one. And that's always the primary issue, right? But the moment you utilize the word process, right, that leadership is a process. Remember that leadership is a verb, right? It's a, it's a, it's not a noun. So the moment it's a verb, it has to be doing something. And what is it doing? So leadership is about, you know, guiding or facilitating a group of people towards meeting a common objective. The rest of the sentence is fine. But the moment you say leadership is a person who drives or facilitates an organization towards a common objective versus leadership is a process that drives an organization towards a common objective. The two of them makes a stark difference in how you view leadership. Now, the moment you say leadership is a process, hmm. by definition itself, whoever is involved in that process, in whatever way, in whichever small contribution they make, by definition itself is a leader. And I think that's what organizations need to understand. So the moment we change that definition, everything flips, right? So. Imagine if you turn around and say in any organization, leadership is a process, be involved in that process. So whatever you're doing as an organization, the moment someone's involved in it, by definition itself, you become a leader and that empowers you. You don't need someone to give you authority at that point. All you need is your involvement and your appreciation of what is taking place. So I think that to me makes a huge difference and it makes all the difference in the world, especially if you're you know, teaching leadership, because that makes ev every one of us an equal contributor in many ways towards that. So I think that that to me is my definition of it. Leadership is a process. And anyone who's involved in that process of ensuring that the organization meets its objectives, whatever the objectives might be, is a leader. Excellent. I love that. I love that. And I'm just adding this, Edusha. Uh, uh, you know, what, what triggered me to uh, consider this particular topic for a talk, live talk, is the fact that, uh, of course, you know, it's not a straight line uh, where we all go through happy times, frustrations, you know, disappointments, uh, whatsoever. So in my journey, you know, one thing I realize is that it's not just about managing people for me, right, as you rightly uh, stated it's a process for me what, what it you know how I inter interpret or how you know my addition to that statement would be Vidusha it's managing the system around people w what is your thinking around that so this is also coming from a trending management mindset called management 3.0 uh, anyone who is watching us just search for this term management 3.0 uh, so this is mainly for the agile teams, but you know it is valid for any any organization, any team, right? And I'm I'm a practitioner of that uh, particular mindset and framework. Uh, there, are what is believed that believed is that leadership is managing the system around the people, not just the people itself, 
right? I think where the organizations go wrong is there, right? We think management is about controlling the people around us, right, in our organization. So we put a lot of procedures, we put a lot of uh, guidelines, we put a lot of rules, we give everything that they need, kind of, you know, uh, we don't understand the management is just facilitating the environment that they need to have. Let, let me quietly kind of um, add a few subtleties into that, right? Um, there is a very real danger in using the word management if you don't quite um, interpret it right. Because there are hmm. positive and negative connotations in all of this, right? So imagine this, right? When you talk about systems around people or people around systems, which comes first is the big question. That's number one, right? So, Correct. and the other thing is, can you manage it in the first place or should you manage it? Okay. And, and I'm not going to get into the discussion of it because I know it's not the thrust of what you want to discuss today, but let me just add this, right? Think of it right. as an ecosystem. Okay. Think of anything right. like an ecosystem. And the biggest, best example I can give you for an ecosystem is a fish tank, right? So yeah. if the fish tank has been set up in a manner, I mean, most people have ornamental fish at some point, and my 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 son just went and got some fish in the morning today. So, you know, it, it's top of mind for me. So let me give you an example through that, right? So if you set up your fish tank with aerators and, you know, uh, filters and all the rest of it, and have a type of fish that requires a huge amount of effort to keep, versus if you take a look at a river, is also an ecosystem, but it's self-managing, right? So fish tanks is what we try and do inside organization. We create artificial systems with the hope that whoever that is occupying that space thrives. We don't look at it from an organic perspective, okay? Mm. Whereas you don't need to do anything to the river. Of course, unless you went and cut down all the trees like we do around it, right? And and dredge it and build dams around it, then of course, yes. <laughs> then yes. the whole the whole <laughs> thing six. But in its natural setting, you really don't hmm. need to do anything to it. The entire species thrives. Hmm. Now, that is, I think, where you need to draw inspiration from. From trying to force certain things by looking at something and saying, you know what, let's come in. And this is where I disagree and vehemently oppose, you know, things like best practices, because to me, there aren't anything called best practices, right? What we need to be creating are sustaining, self-sustaining ecosystems that suits us. And each individual organization needs to soul search and find that for themselves. And it's a bit of a journey. It's not a really a destination. But when you find it, the good news is you don't need to tinker with it at all. Hmm. All you need to do is to just let it be and it will thrive. And ever so often, you might want to put in a few things here and there just to make sure that the aesthetics of it is nicer. But the fundamental activity self-propels itself. I think that is the holy grail. So when we when we talk about management, I mean, from a broader perspective, right, the entire cosmos is managed, right, by universal laws. There, there, there is order to it. Uh, otherwise, we mm -hmm. won't exist. Right? Imagine there'll be complete chaos, but but there's order. Yeah. So in that sense, um, but it is self-managed. Nobody's tinkering with it. 
it tinkers with itself the checks and balances are inbuilt that's what organizations need to do we need to build ecosystems that self sustains itself and also makes sure that every single person who's occupying that space has an opportunity to truly become the best versions of themselves you do that and let people be i think most human beings are capable of self management it's just that we don't necessarily manage the way somebody else wants us to let me give you a simple example for that right so my son and daughter are complete polar opposites right okay having been born from the same mother and father right my daughter is a very structured organized um you know my son turns around in terms of ocd which is probably true um but but she she is a very very structured person right she goes around things in a very very systematic manner um my son on the other hand is the kind of person who wakes up in the morning and then decides what he needs to do right now he has certain objectives in his mind but the way he goes about in a completely loose cannon kind of perspective and right and 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 we try and tell one of them to adjust how they do things in accordance with what we think is right i think that's the starting point of all disasters however hmm. if you can teach my daughter to work on the fly a little bit at the same time if you can teach my son a little bit of focus both of them flourish but their trigger point and the way they kind of move things fundamentally might be different but they both know how Correct. to do both that's where we need to hmm. be so the issue is not so much whether we manage the systems around people or the people manage the systems or whatever we played the fundamental principle you need to understand and have in your head is that the least amount of tinkering we do with it and a lot of people kind of organically figure these things out and give that space i think that's when leadership comes in the most important and that's what leaders ought to be doing in the first place loving the 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 person to find that way and of course remember this right we are working in organizations we are not working you know in 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 limbo in 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 absolute nothingness right so we have to work with other yeah. people that is when the issue happens if you are doing something your way i am doing something my way somebody else is doing it some some other way how do you bring hmm. all of it together that yeah. is your leadership role coming in you try and manage that it's very difficult one 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 or two things will take place one is that either some people will be completely disgruntled and leave or um you know you have to keep tinkering with it all the time which is exhausting and you know it it doesn't work out in the first place in the long term so that i think is the crux of leadership now the next aspect that i would like to touch base on is the competencies now whatever said and done though as you said right the organizations have their strategic goals they spend a lot of money energy therefore they want the roi got it so if i have to become a manager of such organization sometimes i have to forget forget the right way of doing it sometimes i have to challenge the systems my observation is this right the moment the, the, from the time i started managing uh, responsibilities right uh, when i became a lead then you know got promoted to a manager then a senior manager then you know at the moment i am doing uh, coaching right half my time is filled with coaching uh, organizations to adopt the right practices right uh, concepts strategies plus work with the people 
and 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 of course the you know deliverables now in this thing i realize that there are there are very critical personal traits personal competencies that we need to get in us say you know i'm i'm a i'm a, I'm a production staff trying to be a manager trying to be a leader so what are the three top three competencies that i may focus on okay so great question and a great place to start i think here's the trick before i answer the question itself let me give you a quick context to that okay the thing is that most people like you said try to be a leader and that's something that we are taught to do isn't it from from the very inception especially when you take on more senior roles we are told now now you're not an individual contributor anymore you're a team lead or you're a manager and therefore you have to now start focusing on leadership you know and and, and we are in our heads we are saying okay we are somewhere here so there's a gap and and, and we need to bridge that gap and i think honestly this is counterproductive okay i understand the difference between a individual contributor and a team lead hmm. um and of course a manager and a senior manager i understand that context but the way we process that should yeah. be slightly different okay because yeah. i honestly think the moment you differentiate leadership and make it something that you do on top of your job that becomes a problem because yeah. that's when everybody starts resisting this that's why we send people for leadership training as well right now there's a yeah. gap so let me send you for some leadership training and therefore you'll come back as a leader all yeah. nonsense as i'm concerned right because <laughs> we can't do it that way so the issue is this right the issue is there are two things two concepts that are interplaying here one is that of and and you picked up on this very very well which is one side of it is you need to deliver results the other side of it is that you need to make sure that you coach and guide and grow people and most mm -hmm. people think of these two things as two different things that's the problem that's they the problem. are not two different things right they are one and the same it's a mm -hmm. bit like um so i'm i'm going to digress here and I'll come back to it right sure. it's exactly the same what we do as parents right now what do you want your child to achieve do you want them to get 90 marks and the answer would be yes i mean most parents would especially from our part of the world you know going to school and getting good marks is a big deal right so we we would like to think that they come come back with an a report which is fine there's nothing wrong with that objective however if your focus is on the 90 marks you lose out on the principle of actually knowing your subject because there are many ways of getting 90 marks so the way we set the objective is critical so if we focus on the 90 marks and tell the fellow cram and get 90 marks maybe he'll study for two days if he's really bright and get 90 marks ask him one week later what happened he won't remember a thing then what's the point in the 90 mark the 90 mark doesn't mean anything right so when we set objectives as an organization and when we tell our leadership that you need to achieve this objective you have to understand how you go about doing this can be to two very broad categories of doing things right one is at the cost of people one mm. is with people you can achieve objectives at the cost of people too now if we as a culture of an organization haven't really defined that and made both of them the same that when we mean meet objectives that we mean meeting it with people and not at the cost of people 
If we haven't done that as an organization, then it's our fault. Okay, so the starting point of this, when I'm talking about competencies, I'm starting with the viewpoint that organizations should have and must define objectives in a manner that everyone understands that meeting objectives is not at the cost of people. Okay, that's critically important. So in that context, if you want to meet objectives as a collective, if you want to meet objectives as a group of people, and if you want to meet objectives not at the cost of people, but through people, with people, then three critical competencies come in, and they're not textbook definitions, unfortunately, right? So um, you mentioned also trait and competency. I think that's an important distinction to make as well, right? Now, a trait is something that is inbuilt into you. Um, it's one of your characteristics. However, a behavior might might or might not be consistent or congruent with your thinking pattern right so sometimes we elicit behaviors which are completely different to how we how we think because we want to adapt or yeah. you know be okay in a certain context so i'm not going to get into all of that but three behaviors let's put yeah. it from that right three behaviors we need to kind of um, demonstrate right and i always talk about this in every single one of my training sessions right and and i and i say start here you really want to take on leadership position start here the first is love right. And I bring it back to parenting because I think that's that's the closest that you and I and most people can relate to. Even if you're not a parent right now, you would have had parents. And I'm not saying all parents are great parents. I'm just saying that by and large, most people would have had decent parents, right? So there's a there's a reference point. Hmm. So if you take a look at good parenting and good good leadership, I think they're both exactly the same. The first principle that you need to understand and the three behaviors will come from that principle. The only principle you need to understand if you want to be a leader is that it's not about you. Get that out of your head. This is not about you. Okay. It's about okay. the organization. This is about the people that you're working with. This is about them. This is not about you. If you think it's about you, you cross the plot. So hmm. if and when you bring up children, you're not trying to kind of do something that is best for you. You're not on an ego trip for yourself as a parent. You're honestly hmm. trying to do what is best for the child. Now, the way you go about it might be different and you might fail horribly in it. But the underlying ethos is that. Right. So the three things I think great parents have is the first is love. You really need to love your child. Correct. No, you can't kind of turn around and not love your child. Right. Where, where is that going to go? I mean, I hate you, but I nevertheless, I'm a good parent. It doesn't work that way. You need to really love <laughs> your child. Right? Yeah. So your team is the same. Your job is the same. Your organization is the same. And if you're everyone you're working now, love is a strong term. And I mean that purposefully, right? Hmm. And we'd have different elements of love, right? The way you love your son might be slightly different to the way you love your um, daughter. The way you love your daughter might be slightly different to the way you love your wife. The way you love your wife might be different to the way you love your mother. But, right. the, diff but the bottom line is you love all of them, right? The way you love yeah. them might be different, but you love all of them. Similarly, you need to love your team. And everyone included in it, right? If you don't, you have a problem. You can't start hmm. a leadership journey by hating people, hmm. right? Oh, I don't like that fellow. He's a, you know, he's no good. His attitude is bad, and all that nonsense. You know, you can't, right? So the first principle is love. You need to love your team and the love, right. love the job you do as well, right? One and the same. They both go hand in hand. Hmm. The second is you need to be absolutely responsible for everything that they do. Right. I, I, I view your posts very with a smile on my face because that's why I'm smiling. Right. I remember you and 
um, with your daughter, um, giving little you know talks and podcasts and things like that um, from the back of your car, and you get her involved in all of this. Now, if she got really bad marks and got called into school, you're responsible for her, right? At that point, you have to take full and complete accountability for the fact that she has not really done well, okay? And defend her at that point, and 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 make sure mm -hmm. that. You know, um, yeah. you can also take the attitude. Look, what can I do? I send you to school. Um, I tell you to study. I give yeah. you tuition. Oh, the rest is up to you. Um, hmm. I don't care. You can take on that attitude as well. And and yeah. I think right, right. But the point is, with anybody else having a conversation is different. But if you seriously are trying to be a good parent, you're responsible for that child completely and utterly until hmm. the day you die. It's not something that finishes yeah. off when you're 18. You're responsible. Now, the level of responsibility changes. At 25, you're not going to treat your daughter the same way you treat her now. That's different. But you're responsible nevertheless. If something goes wrong, you're right. still responsible, accountable. And, and you need to have hmm. that conviction inside you for that. The third is, I think, the most critical part. And that's what defines good leaders from great leaders, right? Which is sacrifice. You will always put them first. You will always put them first. Their interests come first. Their problems come first. Their needs come first. You come last in that equation. Now, the issue is in organizations, when we become leaders, when hmm. was the last time we sacrificed something of ourselves on their best interest? When was the last time I sacrificed my bonus to make sure that they got a bonus? When was the last time I sacrificed my free time to make sure they went home on time. When was the last time that I made sure that I was inconvenienced for them? That is the crux. And this is where most people flounder. Because right. taking this, okay, because as long as you have a great team and you know, you're doing well, you're fine. Taking responsibility is also fine. Ultimately, I am responsible for the results of the organization, right? So there's nothing I can do to dodge it. It's there. Sacrifice. Hmm. The moment you use that word, people flinch. And that to me is, is the pivotal point of it. What will you sacrifice on behalf of your team? The day you show that, I think you transcend all borders, you transcend all titles, you transcend all the organizational structures, and people will see you as a leader. So you want to make sure that you take on a leadership journey because it's not a destination to begin with. You need to make sure that, you know, you understand that they come first and, and they're what you're there for, not about you. That has to be your underlying ethos. You need to love your team. You need to love what you do. You need to make sure that you to take total and absolute accountability and responsibility. And you need to make sure that you sacrifice on their behalf. If you can do that, well, I think you've already become a leader. It's that simple. Excellent insights, uh, Vidusha. Love, love, love your insights. Because I mean, I I already knew that you know your wisdom around this term is is huge. That's exactly why you are here, right? So thanks, thanks for sharing your your knowledge. I also, you know, we I think you acknowledge that it's not an easy journey, right? Whatever whatever we say here, you know, just living what we say here is not not gonna be the the easiest job. It, it's it's really challenging. But I think every organization has to think just like a parent. That's what we are saying here, right? 
So if you if you have those three three uh, behaviors demonstrated for your teams, your people, I think you will be seen as a great leader. And that's what we see from servant leaders, like you know, from the history, right? So I mean, if you look at uh, Mother Teresa, you know, I mean, she wasn't given any authority, right? She wasn't thinking about her first place, right? So she was she she represented people, right? She you know that's where we tend to see such such people as leaders right that's why you know uh, i i would you know my my father is not so educated but for me i think that's the best leader he's the best leader that i have ever ever met in my life right so that's because i think those qualities those behaviors demonstrated over the years right and and realizing that without eating you know i i remember this uh, vidusha very well right uh, because i come from a kind of underprivileged you know it's not exactly underprivileged but you know we had a lot of challenges in our small days but i remember right my father going to hard work you know labor you know kind of labor work coming back you know with food so i, I remember scenes because i i then i realized okay my father is sacrificing her, his time his energy his entire life to feed us, right? Educate us. My education wasn't so so easy, right? I have, you know, I have just. I remember very well uh, when I wanted to do the the first diploma. That was forty thousand rupees by then. I had. I went to my father and uh, I said, you know, uh, my father, you know, dear father, I want forty thousand. I did not realize how difficult it, it it was for him, but that would have been uh, the biggest challenge for him right but he did it he did it sure. that's the reason why i am here and i you know but for me uh, when i think of my father i have a lot of respect right i see him as the greatest leader i think this is what we need to achieve as leaders in organizations right can i just can i just drop a small note then and i think that's probably i mean you resonate with this what i'm saying is because probably you and i come from pretty much the same backgrounds right i i grew up very much the same my dad was the first in his family to come to colombo um he was the first to get education in a formal sense most of his family he comes from a family of 11 and and most of his family never left um right village that they grew up in right and and i think what you need to understand is this you can't fake this right you can't fake this if you're trying to be a leader and you're trying to demonstrate these behaviors and this is the problem that we we have now right we've been taught to try and get these things going we can't try this this must be genuinely you you can't try and love your children you can't try and 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 take responsibility you can't try and make sacrifices you can do that in the short term you can put on a show you can fake it right for a small period of time but the moment you falter because you're not genuine that is the biggest mistake that leaders make you're far better off hmm. being honest and not being any one of these honestly right so don't fake it that's really important you need to be genuine in this endeavor leadership first and foremost is a genuine endeavor you really really can't um you know try and put on these things these are not things that you um learn by by reading a book or anything like that this is something that you need to internalize for yourself it needs to come with emotion right 
So understand these things not from a logical perspective only. Understand this from a deeply psychological and emotional perspective also. You need to know this in the depths of your hearts and your souls, you know. You can't, as I said, that's why I bring in parenting. I mean, the moment I talked about it, it touched a nerve with you. And that's because you looked at your dad. You didn't call your dad a leader. You just called him Tata. That's it, right? Um, and the respect yeah. and the trust hmm. that you have is, is a lifetime of it. And you've seen this throughout your life, right? So how much of it do our teams see that in us on a daily basis? They see it. The same way you're talking about your father, they will talk about you too. Absolutely. And that to me is just the principle of it. So forget the title leader or anything like that and just do that. Make sure that you genuinely support somebody to be at their best. Now imagine if your father thought to himself, you know, no, you can you can have that reaction too, right? So you imagine if your father turns around and offense in you talking about 40,000 bucks because you didn't understand the weight of the 40,000 and you wanted to educate yourself. Your father was able to empathize with that and say, hey, you know what? He wants to better himself and be somebody better than me. Fantastic. Supports hmm. you. Hmm. Oh, that's the same principle we need to have as bosses, you know, with whatever title you want to call them, managers, leaders, boss, whatever, right? If I can do that for you as my subordinate, as someone who's working with me, side by side by with me, with me, for me, you know, whatever. If you can do that to a fellow human being, forget everything else, right? If you can do that for a fellow human being, you hmm. imagine how wonderful that will be. You know, you imagine how wonderful that will be. And the moment you do that, I think people respect you. And with respect and trust, everything else falls in place. The issue is we don't. We look at all the other fancy theories. We forget these three. I think. Correct. Correct. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Vidusha. Uh, so we have a comment from Ramesh. Uh, Ramesh, thanks for your your active involvement. I We see that you are, you are really, you know... Uh, listening to us, also contributing with your thoughts, right? So love, accountable, accountable, sacrifice, three great characteristics for a leader and well explained indeed. Areas where people really struggle in terms of being leaders. So thanks a lot for your comment as well. Uh, so time check, quick time check, 6.42, Vidusha. Uh, time has just... Always. <laughs> Always, always, it's it's just flying, right? So, uh, so we have 20 minutes. In this 20 minutes, I want to jump into the practical aspect of it. Uh, so there are a lot of things that I would love to discuss with you, get you a wisdom around those topics, but you know, the time doesn't allow us to do that. Uh, so I, I straight away uh, would like to jump into the next topic that is practical exposure of it, right? So if you now, my observation is this, there are a lot of management theories, models, concepts around us. We also utter them a lot. Organizations start adopting a lot of management frameworks. Charged. <laughs> but there, there is a li missing link, right? 
how can we live these things practically, right? How can we apply these concepts practically? That's what we are gonna discuss now. Now, my first question is, so just tell us few tips, right? Few tips, how you could understand your people. Is there you know, any practice that you can recommend in terms of knowing your people well enough so that you can work with them, right? Because it's, sure. we, we, we now agree that it's about them, not about us as leaders. Yep. So how can we understand our people? Right. So I'm going to give you a dead straight answer, which is dead simple. Um, don't okay. shoot me for that. But I think the easiest don't call, thing... Don't call, me. don't call me as well. <laughs> no, no, no. So seriously, because whenever I say these things, people laugh at me and say, you know, this is not exactly what I was expecting, right? But... Right. But genuinely, if you really want to know um, and understand your people, I think that's only one thing you need to do. Genuinely ask. Right. right. Rather than assumptions. Excellent insights, Vidusha. Love, love, love your insights. Because, I mean, I, I already knew that, you know, your wisdom around this term is, is huge. That's exactly why you are here, right? So thanks. Thanks for sharing your, your knowledge. I also, you know, we. I think you acknowledge that it's not an easy journey, right? Whatever, whatever we say here, you know, just living what we say here is not not gonna be the the easiest job. It, it's it's really challenging. But I think every organization has to think just like a parent. That's what we are saying here, right? So if you if you have those three three uh, behaviors demonstrated for your teams, your people, I think. You will be seen as a great leader and that's what we see from servant leaders you know my my father is not so educated he's the best leader that i have ever ever met in my life that's because i think those qualities those behaviors demonstrated over the years we had a lot of challenges in our small days but i remember right my father going to hard work you know labor you know kind of labor work coming back you know with food so I, I remember scenes because I, I then I realized, okay, my father is sacrificing his time, his energy, his entire life to feed us, educate us. My education wasn't so so easy. I remember very well uh, when I wanted to do the, the first diploma, that was 40,000 rupees by then. I had I went to my father and uh, I said, you know, uh, my father, you know, your father, I want 40,000. I did not realize how difficult it, it, it was for him. But that would have been uh, the biggest challenge for him, right? But he did it. He did it. Sure. That's the reason why I'm here. And I, you know, but for me, uh, when I think of my father, I have a lot of respect. I see him as the greatest leader. I think this is what we need to achieve as leaders in organizations. Can I just drop a small note then? And I think that's probably, I mean, you resonate with this. What I'm saying is because probably you and I come from pretty much the same backgrounds, right? I, I grew up very much the same. My dad was the first in his family to come to Colombo. Um, he was the first to get education in a formal sense. Most of his family he comes from a family of 11. And, and, and most of his family never left um, right. the village that they grew up in. right? And, and I think what you need to understand is this. You can't fake this. Right? You can't fake this. If you're trying to be a leader and you're trying to demonstrate these behaviors, and this is the problem that we, we have now, right? We've been taught to try and get these things going. We can't try this. This must be genuinely you. You can't try 
and love your children. You can't try and, 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 and take responsibility. You can't try and make sacrifices. You can do that in the short term. You can put on a show. You can fake it right, for a small period of time. But the moment you falter because you're not genuine, that is the biggest mistake that leaders make. You're far better off hmm. being honest and not being any one of these. Honestly. Right. So don't fake it. That's really important. You need to be genuine in this endeavor. Leadership, first and foremost, is a genuine endeavor. You really, really can't. Um, you know, try and put on these things. These are not things that you um, learn by by reading a book or anything like that. This is something that you need to internalize for yourself. It needs to come with emotion, right? So understand these things not from a logical perspective only. Understand this from a deeply psychological and emotional perspective also. You need to know this in the depths of your hearts and your souls, you know, you can't, as I said, that's why I bring in parenting. I mean, the moment I talked about it, it touched a nerve with you. And that's because you looked at your dad. You didn't call your dad a leader. You just called him Tata. That's it. Right. Um, and the respect hmm. and the trust that you have is, is a lifetime of it. And you've seen this throughout your life. Right. So how much of it do our teams see that in us? On a daily basis, they see it the same way you're talking about your father. They will talk about you too. Absolutely, and that to me is just the principle of it. So forget the title leader or anything like that, and just do that. Make sure that you genuinely support somebody to be at their best. Now, imagine if your father thought to himself, so you imagine if your father turns around and offense in you talking about 40,000 bucks because you didn't understand the weight of the 40,000. And you wanted to educate yourself. Your father was able to empathize with that and say, hey, you know what? He wants to better himself and be somebody better than me. Fantastic. Hmm. He supports hmm. you. So that's the same principle we need to have as bosses, you know, with whatever title you want to call them, managers, leaders, boss, whatever, right? If I can do that for you as my subordinate, as someone who's working with me, side by side by with me, with me, for me, you know, whatever. If you can do that to a fellow human being, forget everything else, right? If you can do that for a fellow human being, you hmm. imagine how wonderful that will be. You know, you imagine how wonderful that will be. And the moment you do that, I think people respect you. And with respect and trust, everything else falls in place. The issue is we don't. We look at all the other fancy theories. We forget these three, I think. Correct. Correct. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks a lot, uh, Vidusha. So we have a comment from Ramesh. Uh, Ramesh, thanks for your your active involvement. I we see that you are you are really you know uh, listening to us, also contributing with your thoughts, right? So love, accountable, accountable, sacrifice, three great characteristics for a leader, and well explained indeed. Areas where we, people really struggle in terms of being leaders. So thanks a lot for your comment as well. So my observation is this. There are a lot of management theories, models, concepts around us, 
we also utter them a lot. Organizations start adopting a lot of management frameworks. Yes, charged. <laughs> but there, there is a li missing link, right? How can we live these things practically, right? How can we apply these concepts practically? That's what we are going to discuss now. Now, my first question is, so just tell us few tips, right? Few tips, how you could understand your people. Is Great. there you know, any practice that you can recommend in terms of knowing your people well enough so that you can work with them, right? Because it's sure. we, we, we now agree that it's about them, not about us as leaders. Yep. So how can we understand our people? Right. So I'm going to give you a dead straight answer, which is dead simple. Um, don't okay. shoot me for that. But I think the easiest don't call, thing... Don't call, me. don't call me as well. <laughs> no, no, no. So seriously, because whenever I say these things, people laugh at me and say, you know, this is not exactly what I was expecting, right? But... Right. But genuinely, if you really want to know um, and understand your people, I think there's only one thing you need to do. Genuinely ask. Right. right. Rather than making assumptions, just ask people, what are your aspirations? What do you like doing? I'll give you a classic example of this, right? If you simply went and asked somebody who's working with you for about six months to a year, what do you like about your job? What you don't like about your job? And I mean a genuine one-on-one -on -one conversation, right? Forget um, lengthy questionnaires and things like that. They will tell you, especially if they have trust for you. If they tell you and if you do something about that, you have a fantastic starting point. So if you really ask people what they like, what they don't like, sometimes we can do things about what they don't like. Sometimes we can't. And then we can have a dialogue around it at least <clears throat> and get people to understand that. But imagine if if you've never had that conversation. We We, we are on assumptions at that point. So you really want to understand your people? My my advice to you is just go sit down, grab a cup of coffee somewhere and talk to them and ask them the genuine question. What is it that you're really looking for? What is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? And how can I help you in that? So if you ask those three simple questions from people, chances are you have a fantastic practical starting point and it doesn't cost you anything. Excellent. The most simplistic answer that I have ever imagined. Just like what you just uh, told us about uh, how to how to look at your son and daughter and you kind of understand them, uh, realize that they have different different set of behaviors themselves. They are unique, etc. Right now, as a parent, you 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 probably need to get them at their best. In other words, empower them to become. A greater version themselves right you might not straight away say hey, you have to be a doctor or someone that's not empowering that's commanding right now if we want our people to be empowered for what they want to become in terms of their definition of success in terms of their their criteria right tell us few few practical tips to tackle that how to empower your people right so again i'm gonna get back to basics right um, a subtle difference here. I honestly have always argued, especially when I run programs, that empowerment isn't something that you give. Empowerment is something that you need to take. Right. And let me clarify that statement. See, the issue is that we are all waiting right. for somebody to give. Empowerment. Right. Right. Stop doing that to begin with. 
right? As an individual, okay? So as employees, um, whenever, whenever we have conversations with, um, um, you know, teams, we tell them, don't wait for your boss to have a conversation with you. Why don't you go have a conversation with them? Because as I said, I'm going to go back to my beginning, right? Leadership is a process. Everyone needs to be involved in this. You can't be the only man who's driving this. It doesn't work that way. Okay. So imagine if empowerment was to be taken, hmm. what would you do? I would go and tell my boss, I want this. Now, then you can tell me as my boss, whether you can do this for me or not or whatever, or how we can go about this. Right. So imagine your son coming and telling you, I want a bike. <laughs> right. You don't go and ask your son, do you want a bike? No. Right. He comes and tells you, I want a bike. <laughs> right. Now, then we can have a conversation around it. Turn around and say, all right, I can get you a bike. However, you need to make sure that you, you know, you're responsible about it. You will take care of your bike. You will make sure that you don't, you know, ride around it in, in, in breakneck speeds and, you know, harm yourself. There are certain guidelines. Here are the guidelines. You know, this is the time you can ride your bike. This is the time you can't ride your bike. Also, in return, sometimes we turn around and say, all right, I'll get you the bike. But you need to commit your studies first as well. You must do some household work as well. Or maybe you earn the bike rather than me giving you the bike. That's a dialogue we have as parents and children, right? So I again, since you started from there, let me bring that into practical example inside an organization as well, right? So if you are a junior level member who's watching this and you're just starting your careers, please don't wait to be empowered. Please, right? Just get on it and be empowered. Nobody has told you not to be empowered, no? Right? Has anyone told you you can't be empowered? No, not at all. You, you, you're empowered. So, so take it and run with it, right? But if you're a manager, if you're someone with 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 a title, right? Then, then you have an added responsibility, which is you have two ways of responding to this. Hmm. If you become the person who kills that spirit, then you're failing in your leadership journey. The what you need to be doing is to nourish that and mold that into being something productive rather than counterproductive because this whole energetic um, you know gung-ho kind of attitude can be very counterproductive also don't forget that right um, and sometimes they say you, know, you can give enough people enough rope and they will hang themselves and that is true people can harm themselves with good intention of course but they can still harm themselves and that is why we as parents will watch out for your for our children not to control them but to turn around and give a little warning signal to say hey you know watch it um, if your son was five years old and he was in the second floor balcony pretending to be Batman and wanted to jump out. You're not going to tell him, jump, let's find out what happens, right? You'll be mad to do that, right? That's why you're a parent. Okay. You will turn around and say, don't, I know what's going to happen. And you will explain this, but later on they will find out. And, and you might turn around and say, you know what, if you really want to jump, I'll give you a one-foot box. Jump off at that and see what happens. And if you hurt yourself, imagine what you will do there. That is your role. Now, if you stop him all mm -hmm. the time, chances are when you're not looking, he might jump, which is the same thing that happens inside organizations as well. So if you say no, without explaining the why, that is what happens. You're that bound to happens. find right? So encapsulating that, what are you supposed to do to empower people? From the perspective of the person who's waiting to be empowered, don't wait to be empowered. Take it and run with it. Right. And the best way to um, do that is to volunteer for something. You like something that you want to do. Go and ask for it. What is stopping mm. you from asking? For it? There's a project. Go and ask. Can I lead this? 
I, I really like this. Can I do this? There's nothing stopping you. The worst that can happen is somebody can say no. Then fine. Then find a different way of asking the same question, right? But if you're a leader, if you're a manager, and if you're taking on that role, then please do make sure that you don't kill that spirit and that you're able to quietly mold that person along that so that his empowerment doesn't harm him. As long as you're not allowing that to happen, you're fine. Safra asks a question, right? Safra has a question, Vidusha. Uh, what if you constantly take responsibility, but you don't see a change in the person? <laughs> right. I have a short <laughs> answer that as well as a pointed one, right? Then you're failing as a leader. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. Right? I think it's not you. <laughs> Thanks no, for the question, Safra. <laughs> no, it is right. So the, the, that's 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 what I'm saying. It's it's ultimately taking responsibilities are all inclusive thing. Um, there's a lovely quotation mm. in the army to say that there are no bad soldiers. There are only bad generals. Mm. Okay. There okay. are no bad soldiers. There are only bad generals, and that is true. Right. Okay. So as a parent, mm. if what we are doing isn't changing our sons or daughters' behaviors, who's at fault? Right. As a parent, we are. That's the job. So my answer is honestly, and I, and I mean this purposefully, right? I'm conscious of time, but I will take this up quietly later if you have a little bit more time. But I'll let you answer that question, uh, ask another question. But the answer to this is if you're constantly taking responsibility, but you don't see a change in the person, you need to change tactics. You need to change the way you approach it. And you need to find sometimes alternatives. And here's a good one, right? You don't have to do this all by yourself. Even in parenting, that's why we have parents, right? And we have an extended family also. Um, we have grandparents involved, aunts and uncles involved, nephews and nieces involved. It really does take an entire village to bring up a child, right? Um, mm. So if what you're doing isn't necessarily bringing the results, ask for help from somebody else. Because it is important to change this mindset and to change that person. So you have a colleague of yours working with you, ask him for help. Maybe that person's intervention that might work better. Again, it's not about you. The objective, always work with the objective in mind, the end in mind. What is the end objective? Making sure that that person succeeds, making sure that that person is better. And if what you're doing is not cutting it, ask someone else to help. And if that person intervenes and that changes, fantastic. No problems. You're not in it for the credit. So this is like this is like when the son gets good marks, right? Then it's my son. Uh, when the son gets bad marks, it's your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I hope I answered. That's, that's that not leadership. No, it isn't. That's passing the buck. <laughs> Safra, I think you are you're happy with it. Thanks for the question. I think that helped us to, you know, touch base on that perspective. Uh, so uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting comment. I just want to display it in the screen, uh, Vidusha. Right? Have a look. No, look it at it. <laughs> of course. I mean, yes. Right? Lovely so we are, we are talking about people. I think, Vidusha, you want to just touch base on this? That's where the challenge is also, right? That's where the challenge is also, right? Because we are human, right? Yeah. If we are robots, if we, if we tell something to uh, people, they will do as it is, as commanded, like, you know, software program, be, you know, done. It just has to follow the instruction. That's it, right? And everything else that matters is being under control. So you have everything clear. That's where That's the it. leadership becomes a challenge. And bosses are always at the right. 
end of things, right? That my boss is like this, my boss is like that, and so on and so forth. And I always tell people, please understand that they're human too, right? Um, hmm. You you don't want to risk certain things, right? Imagine if I told you to risk something, and you shy away from risking it. Your boss is about the same, you know. We are all fallible human beings. We're not we're not enlightened souls or you know angels or whatever. Um, we're just fallible human beings. But the important thing, like I said, is to go back to basics and understand what you're in this for. Mm. Um, and there are human beings and there are good human beings and also there are astute human beings. Right? There comes in different forms. And ours is a journey that we personally undertake for us to better ourselves. But the moment you take on a leadership journey, your job is to make sure that people around you are doing better than what you, what they were doing yesterday in every aspect of the world. And if they if you've done that, then you're on the right track. But if people around you are suffering because of you, well, then you need to change yourself before you ask anyone else to change. How to deal with people who are claiming leaders, but they are actually wolf in sheep clothing. Yep. Few self named leaders expect the juniors to do their job to get their promotion how to deal with such people in the long run looks like a corporate corporate mess is thinking of how to find a right leader to grow rather than suffer any suggestions fantastic okay good question and i'll answer this in um i am conscious of time but i'll try and get pointed on this right here's sure. the thing um, first of all, the, there are three parts to this. So let me answer all things. Um, how do you deal with leaders who are claiming to be leaders? And that's that's this. You've answered your question in the question itself. Okay. A leader will never claim himself to be a leader. Others call him a leader. The problem is that we make we have mm. self-appointed leaders. <laughs> right? In a, in a democracy. We call ourselves leaders. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem, right? <laughs> so stop doing that. And the that's moment you have to, you know, I am a great leader, then then you know it's a it's a bogus claim in the first place. Even in a in a country as a democracy, you appoint a leader, right? You don't have someone waking up in the morning and turning around and saying, you know, you know what? I, I think I can lead the country, so I'm 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 the leader now. You know, um, doesn't work that way. So inside an organization, um, Niroshan just put the put the question back in. Huh? I'll answer all three of them um, just to kind of make sure that I'm sure. on track. So. Some some are actually wolf in sheep clothing. I completely agree. Some some in fact many are. Um, if you're self-proclaimed, it's a good starting point to say that chances are you're not what you say claim to be. Others should see it that way. I can't turn around and say I'm a good parent. I can't turn around and say I'm a good husband. My wife should say that. My children should say that, isn't it? Uh, what's the point in me turning around and saying I'm a great dad? Uh, what nonsense, you know? Um, so it's not for us to judge, it's for others to judge. Now, the second part is a very interesting one, uh, JP, because I have a very different take on this. When you have junior, when you have a senior who wants juniors to do their job in order for them to get promoted, I will tell you honestly, use this as a learning opportunity for you. It's not a bad thing. I know that he gets all the glory and the credit and he will get promoted and you will get left behind eventually. That's fine. Don't worry about it, right? But people like this gives you opportunities that others might not necessarily, okay? Let me give you an example of this. Now, if you have a boss who doesn't want to do anything and wants to get all of your ideas so that he propels himself forward, 
this is a fantastic opportunity for you to check out whether your ideas work in the first place, right? He's giving you that chance. He wants you to do it because he thinks through you, he might be able to propel himself. Fantastic. Take it. Now, when you do it, you realize whether your hypothesis that you had as an idea, whether it actually works or not, because it might not work. What happens then? Right. <laughs> not all of our great ideas work. And you and I both know this, Nero, right? I mean, we've done so many things that has completely and utterly failed. Right. Um, and that's fine. So imagine a boss who turns around and says they want to get the promotion. How you know I want you to do all of this, then I will give you full permission to do it because I know if you succeed, I, I get all the credit. Brilliant. Take that opportunity and make sure that you truly test yourself in that process. You learn a hell of a lot through it. Never miss an opportunity like this. Don't worry about the credit. It's amazing how much you can learn when you don't worry about the credit. Now, at some point, your boss might wisen up to say, hey, you know what? This guy is a really good asset for me to have. Or he might abuse you. Now, here's the great part about it, right? If you have done all of that work, and if you have really grown because of it, you will eventually get headhunted anyway. You will eventually get spotted by somebody else anyway. The organization is not that dumb as you think it is not to notice it, right? So you learn. And if nobody even saw it, at least the next place that you go to, you can always leave your job and get somewhere else. The world's our oyster right now, right? There are plenty of opportunities. But imagine the amount of skills and competencies you would have learned along the way because of it. And finally, how do you find the light needed to grow rather than suffer from? I always tell people there are three or four things you need to watch out for. The first is find someone whom you can really learn from. He might be a real awful person to work with, but that's okay. If he's technically sound, if he's brilliant at what he does, suffer through him even. It's okay, but learn as much as you can. Sometimes the nicest people aren't the most technically competent, right? Sometimes they are, but I'm saying is sometimes they might not be. But if you find a technically really good competent person, my advice to you is even if you have to suffer through it, suffer through it because you can learn a hell of a lot from them. The second point is there are some people who are really nice and you can learn a lot from them too. What do you learn from them? It is to be nice to people. It's about the values that you need to have. It's about how you deal with people, the emotional intelligence part and all of that. Sometimes you, you get really lucky to find both of this in the same person. Then you're blessed, right? Then you really are blessed as a, as a subordinate. Um, the fourth variety is this. They might not be nice. They might not be technically competent either. However, they might be really well networked. Now, making sure that you work with them enables you to explore a network which might not be possible with the other three. So these are the types of bosses you must seek out. How do you know which is which? Very simple. Talk to the people that they work with and you will be able to suss that out. So depending on which area or which, which level in your career you're at or what crossroad you're at in your career, you need to find the right boss. When you're starting out, don't worry about whether you like them or not. Worry about what you can learn from them. When you come to a midpoint, you need to find people who can groom you and coach you in the people management side of things. When you come to a relatively senior position, you need to grow your networks. And that's what will help you leapfrog the next level. Um, so at different stages of your life, in your working life, you need to find the different types of leaders that can help you. I hope I answered that question. 
Yes, uh, Vidusha. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks a lot. JP, uh, I think uh, you're happy with the answer. If you have further uh, questions, leading questions to that, do drop them. We will take them. It, it, it's, it's a great question as well. Thanks for thanks for proactively uh, getting involved here. Uh, so, Vidusha, uh, few more minutes. Uh, the next next two things that I, I, I definitely need to get your insights on these two things. So, well, thanks for thanks for accepting the next few minutes. Uh, the next jargon that I want to tackle, at least yeah. at a high level, is change management, right? So let me uh, bring this comment. Now, the question to you is this. Change is inevitable. It's something that companies cannot avoid. Yourself, you can't avoid changes happening around you. The only way possible, only way forward is embracing we, you know, to the uncertainty, right? Look, look at the look at the COVID crisis, right? We never believed that will hit, right? Uh, you know, the country, some countries never heard of such disaster, right? But that hit them. When such disasters in one side hit hit us, uh, also other priority changes, various other changes that happens around us, we need to have a kind of a clear mindset first. Second, a clear approach to base our work on. So my question to you is, what is your, out of everything that you have gone through, what is your recommended approach for embracing change, managing change? Sure. Um, here's the thing, right? I honestly think, once again, that nine times out of 10, we look at this from the, I mean, there are of course two aspects to it. I'm answering it from an organizational perspective because you asked it from an organizational perspective, right? It's slightly different when it comes to an individual. See, yeah. we as organizations need to inbuild into our ecosystem. We started with ecosystems, no? so I'm gonna go there again. We need to build into our ecosystems two aspects which are critical. The first is that we must always have people in a heightened state of readiness. And the best example I can give you is an army, right? Now, an army is prepared to respond at moment's notice, correct? Hmm. That's what it is now. Now, yeah. it might be peacetime. It might be peacetime. We might have 100 years of peace, right? Singapore has never had an invasion taking place or, or an internal uh, terrorist threat or anything like that, right? But that doesn't mean the army is sitting down there having coffee on a daily basis and not worrying about their drills, right? The army is always in a state of readiness. Should a situation arise, they respond. Correct? They will respond fast. They will respond in, in force. They will respond to the best of their ability. And there's an entire process around that. And the closest we have inside an organization for this is a fire drill. Now, fire drill also most people can do as a tick box exercise if you want to. But the fire drill, at least we do on a regular basis, even as a tick box exercise. What is the one other thing we do on a regular basis to prepare people to instantly respond to a calamity of any kind? We don't have it. We talk about disaster preparedness. We talk about importance of change, but people can't respond like that. We freeze. Most normal human beings freeze when 
when situations take place, right? So just give me one um, second, yeah. So imagine if, if you just freeze and you can't respond, how will you react, right? You must be trained to react. So that's one thing that the organization must build in into their ecosystem, right? You must be trained to react. The second part is to make sure that you have procedural support, system support, and policy support in order to respond to a major crisis also. And this is where things like what if scenarios come into play. You need to have, as part of your strategic planning process, if you have that, I call them adaptive plans now because strategic planning, I think, needs to evolve as well. You need to have an adaptive plan. You need to have scenarios built in. And if you have those scenarios built in and you have your organization in a heightened state of readiness at all times where people know in case something like this happens, this is what happens. You're, you're, you're trained to react to a situation at moment's notice as individual. Then you're fine because you can't prepare for this. Today, it might be COVID. Tomorrow, it might be something else. Next day, it might be a financial crisis. Next year, it can be, you know, a natural disaster. It can be anything. You can't, you can't look at all the things that can go wrong in the world and, and try and put systems in place for that. But you can train people to have a state of readiness. So in your ecosystem, you need to have both of those, the policy procedural system aspect of it and the people's readiness part of it built in. And that's a critical HR function to perform. If you can do that, I think you will manage change perfectly well. Excellent, excellent, Vidusha. Thank you. I think uh, that's that's all what I would like to you know uh, talk about here. You know, just to wrap up uh, the discussion. I think it's a it's a it's a very broad uh, topic that we can talk for hours and hours. Still, we will not finish it, mm -hmm. right? But you know. Uh, Due to the time constraint here, we'd like to uh, take take uh, you know do a, you know conclude that uh, the discussion here. Uh, sure. So, as the final uh, message, right? I would like to hear from you if you sum up the whole one hour and ten minutes discussion. Also, if you if you talk think of your leadership perspective, Vidusha. What is your final message for the ones who are watching us in terms of leadership? If you want to sum up your message, this is about the leadership. This is the message that I have for you. What is that going to be? You you want it from an individual perspective? As an individual? Uh, yeah, that is fine. Yeah. Okay. Focus on individual it, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So he, here's what I think, Niroshan, right? I genuinely think. Um, one of the things that um, that really touched me long, long years ago um, was the fact that we we try and blow these things up, right? We make them into fads. Mm -hmm. We make it into marketing things. We make this into being about self promotion, all of that. Okay, and um, we we sometimes forget the most simplest of things. So my message, honestly, to, to anyone who's watching, mm -hmm. if you really want to take on a leadership journey, because that's what it is. It's a journey of 
self-discovery, yeah. if you want to call it that, right? Is if you're genuine about this, okay? If you're genuine about this, if, if you want to succeed in your career because of it, then it's a whole different conversation. That's a different, different thing. Yeah. But if you if you really want to truly grow as a person, right? My three pieces of advice to you would be: first of all, don't forget the limelight out of it. Lots of people make the horrible mistake of focusing on the limelight, and the, and, and the, that'll come. That'll come. If you're doing a good job, I genuinely feel it'll always come. Right? It's just that you, you it'll take a little longer for you than others, but that's okay. By that time, you'll be ready. Mm -hmm. And the chance of you making fundamental mistakes will also not be there then because you're totally totally ready, right? So don't don't have the limelight. The second Love is it. be genuinely willing to help. Right. It's a very simple thing. Be willing to help someone else. If you can mm -hmm. help someone on a regular basis, I think you've started that journey and that process, right? Help. So don't worry about the credit. Always seek out and help. And the third mm -hmm. thing is, which is really, really important, which is introspect. And think about what you have done and not done at the end of your day. Introspect. And that's really, really important because most of the time we just go through a day and we never think about it. Hmm. But and we don't have time to think, right? Sometimes people turn around and say, I don't have time to think. <laughs> that's we the problem. Busy. We are too busy to look back, right? We are too busy yeah. to look back. So we Absolutely. just go on. Right? Just go on. So at the end of every day, um, and I and I promise you this might sound like a very kiddish thing to do but i promise you it isn't and it's something i honestly do at the end of every day just sit down take a piece of paper or a book or whatever it might be and write down what you think you did well and i don't mean achievements and stuff huh? I, I'm, I'm talking of simple behaviors what you did right or what you did well or and also at least find one thing that you wish you didn't do and see how many times you will repeat this. Now, if you write this down on a daily basis, at the end of every week, you will find out that there are certain patterns and you're raising it to the level of consciousness then. I remember when I first started speaking arrangements, right? I used to have, uh, you and I both know this because um, you know you speak, I speak. Um, and when in our normative years, we make horrible mistakes sometimes. And I, and I used to have certain filler words that, that would come in. And it's fine to have available. That's perfectly fine. I'm not talking of, you know, being an excellent speaker or anything like that. I'm just saying, raise it to the level of consciousness. And one of the things I got a couple of my friends to do was to give me that feedback whenever I spoke at office. And one of the things they told me is that I crack dirty right. jokes. And this came up a few times over. Now, I was 24, 25 years old, and I didn't think much of it. But it was very, very good feedback. And I did think about it. And I do remember... In about a week's period, I got this feedback over 15 times, 20 times. And I okay. thought about it and I asked my friends, you know, do I really crack that many dirty jokes? And they turned around and said, yes, dude, you always do. You know, uh, it's one of the things you do all the time. And thank God I stopped it because it can be very distasteful to some. You cracking a dirty joke with your friends is one thing. Doing that in public is another Right. So always introspect and ask yourself, are there a few things that I shouldn't be doing? And start with your family first. Every week, ask your kids, do you see something in me that you think I should change? And that's a good place to start because kids are born honest. If you ask the question, they will give you answers. Hmm. Right. Try doing this and I think you'll be fine.
Excellent, excellent. I, I love the whole discussion. Uh, uh, the the wisdom you shared uh, is it's your own experience and also you know your perspectives. Uh, but it, I think you know a lot of things that, that you spoke about uh, will definitely add value to us, value to the people who watched us and will be watching us. So thank you again. It's a privilege to have this discussion with you, Vidusha. My sincere thanks to you accepting my invite and you know volunteering to spend your one hour. See you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Vidusha. Yep. Thank you. This is one and only project management podcast in Sri Lanka. If you want to become a sponsor or to be featured in this great podcast, please write to us at agilegreat at gmail.com. May the force be with you.